Blog Talk Radio. We're not going to start the show off like that. We are going to say to those who lost their lives during 9-11, the first responders going to help, and those who will never be whole again, we here at Wrestle Radio Network would like to say the following. Thank you, those who were in peril during 9-11-2001. Now, I am going to play for you something that meant a great deal to everyone in the wrestling community back in 2001. So without further ado, folks, please bear with me. And take a listen. Tonight, tonight, the spirit of America lives here in Houston, Texas. On behalf of everyone here in the arena, and a worldwide television audience, we would like to extend our condolences to the victims and the families and friends of the victims of the terrorist acts that occurred on Tuesday in New York City and Washington, D.C. Our nation's leaders have encouraged us to return to living our lives the way we normally do. Our nation's leaders have encouraged us to continue to live our lives the American way. They've encouraged us to practice and exercise our constitutional rights. And as such, tonight I believe this is the first public assembly of its size since the tragedy of Tuesday. Make, make no mistake about what and make no mistake about the message this public assembly is sending to terrorism tonight. That message, quite simply, is that we will not live our lives in fear. The citizens of Houston are not afraid. The citizens of Texas are indeed not afraid. And by God, the citizens of the United States are not afraid. For we are a proud people, proud of who we are, proud of our nation, and damn proud to be Americans. (laughs) 
positive on TV, such as an episode of SmackDown, and um, I just remember, you know, even though it's a death anniversary for a lot of people, the one beacon of I don't know, was when Vince got close to the camera, and he was fired up, and he was a lot of emotion and the country was feeling the world was feeling a lot of emotion because someone had just attacked the World Trade Center and I remember losing somebody I lost my aunt that day along with thousands of other thousands of other Americans who lost people who were close to them so it meant the world to a lot of us who have followed professional wrestling, to hear those words come out of Vince. We are a country full of pride and patriotism. It's very good. There's that. And uh, seeing as how it is Sunday, it is the NFL, and I know there's probably going to be less people tuning in. This is a test episode. Oh, God almighty. Anyways, let's get this shindig started. Now, most of you hear us come on this show talking about current day professional wrestling. My partner in crime, Pizza Simpson, discussing with you all. AEW, me basically being the WWE guy. There are certain things that I remember growing up watching professional wrestling, and one of those big influences just so happens to be the guy that I really wanted to be, but never got the chance to. But, you know, it is what it is. Some people get all the breaks. No, this guy worked his ass off 
from the age of 16. He didn't attend college and didn't need to. Became This guy became one of the biggest names in professional wrestling. Maestro, if you would, can you uh, play that simple tune? You know, something about sexy boy type thing, you know. Just play it, please. I'm begging you. I've got the look that drives the girls wild. I've got the moves that really move them. I said, chill, up and down there, fine. I'm just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy, toy. Oof, kind of a delayed reaction, folks, but uh, here it is. You want to know something about my favorite wrestler? Well, here it is. He was born July 22nd, 1965 in Chandler, Arizona. His dad was in the U.S. Air Force. Grew up mainly in San Antonio. Used to go around watching USWA, NWA, Ric Flair, Matt Antia. Go from what he was going to do. his first actual pro wrestling debut was October in 1984, and he already started as a tag team with Marty Jannetty in 1984 as the Midnight Rockers. And he lasted fairly long with Jannetty. I mean, eight years is a long time to be with someone and have longevity in what was known as World Wrestling Federation. Now... I guess if you want to compare and contrast teams, the two one has a little more ground and pound than the other. Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, the Rockers, compare them to the Hardy Boys. I don't know, but in my mind, that's who I compare those two to. Anyways, um, moving on. So Shawn Michaels has accomplished. A lot in WWE, outside of WWE. Of course, most people who have known him back in the day have cited on Dark Side of the Ring, Jim Cornette. Back then, Sean was a prick. <laughs> you know, that was basically labeled that Sean got because essentially, if you ever watched the A&E autobiography of the Heartbreak Kid, Sean was the only member of WWE to take a set of papers, you know, that were promos and go, I don't want to say this shit. This was actually cited from any biography, by the way. Also, Shawn Michaels was not really known for being the guy that you wanted to work because if you fucked with him, According to sources, he was not the kindest. And if he said something or he ended up wrestling in another territory or something else. But aside from all the facts, I do recall Shawn Michaels coming back in 2002 and I was ecstatic. He comes back to the Elimination Chamber. It looks like he had never lost a step. 
He won the World Heavyweight Championship. You know, he wrestled about till 2010, and then it was, well, gee, I don't know. He went behind the scenes, took a minute, you know, to bring him back on occasion for WrestleMania or guest referee spots. Most notable matches of Shawn Michaels for me would have been, wow, his matches against The Undertaker. And what really stood out to me during those matches were WrestleMania. Shawn Michaels has always been that person, that wrestler, that not only can give you a show, but he can tell you a story, can piss you off, or, better yet, he just draws your ass in. Like that itch you just have to scratch. And one of the main reasonings for me picking Shawn Michaels out of the hat, because the other wrestler that I enjoy watching, I mean, he has a lengthy, lengthy for me to uh, excommunicate the Undertaker? No, not quite. But if we're going to focus on getting to know the staff at Wrestle Radio Network, one of the things you should know about moi is watching professional wrestling was always one of my many pastimes, aside from drawing. After 9-11 happened, wrestling was all I had and playing... Uh, Mariah Carey CDs on my CD player. So yes, professional wrestling is a huge, was a huge, huge deal for me back then. It still is today. Sorry, I went off the beaten path, folks, but I'm trying to get used to this whole new get up, if you will. Always been that one wrestler that made me. Man, I wanna I wanna try this one day. Shawn Michaels was it for me? It was WrestleMania 12. I was watching with a group of friends. I knew he was going one on one with Bret Hart in an Iron Man match. <clears throat> Sorry. And during that match, it was very technical, very ground and pound. We were and it was very boring, if you will. I don't like a lot of holds. I don't like a lot of submissions. I really, honestly, it pissed me off when I was a kid when Bret Hart started getting whiny and pissy before the Montreal screw job. but anyways, I digress. I thoroughly enjoyed every single moment when Shawn Michaels hand, his hand was raised in victory and you heard the boyhood dream has been realized. For everyone that said Sean couldn't do it again, oh, you know, he's past his prime when him and Triple H reunited with, you know, and had their run with D-Generation X. Again, it was 
as I like to put it, it was very, very cool. Um, I guess from a personal standpoint, I could identify with Shawn Michaels because he's the little guy back in that time frame. Because now you have guys running around that are 5'8", 5'7", 5'8", 5'8", not that big, but they make up for it with their skill. And that's what Shawn Michaels did. Or you hate him. You can say, he's not the GOAT. That belongs, you know, that title belongs to The Undertaker. That may be so because of all the accomplishments that The Undertaker has acquired and all the accolades he's acquired. But there's no doubt about it. I mean, look at what Sean has accomplished over the years. He's now one of the producers in NXT. And not just that accomplishment, but I mean, look, he's been in the Hall of Fame. He's got a loving wife. And come to think of it, you know, for a 40, almost 50-year-old, he's going to kick me in the face if he was in this room. For someone who's 47 years old and being moved around a lot by their father, you know, and didn't really have the gumption to continue his education, I believe that's someone you look up to because, yes, he wasn't well-liked by some of his peers, but he made up for it by entertaining the crowd and making the title matches very, very intriguing, you know, like um, as Jim Cornette put it on Dark Side of the Ring, you know, it's like a duet, like two singers who have never worked together before. They just work things out beautifully because one, they really do hate each other. Bret Hart and Shawn did. Not only that, dude, like the history with Shawn Michaels that helped kickstart the attitude here, kind of, sort of, with Stone Cold Steve Austin and his match at WrestleMania 14 inside the Boston Garden. I remember I mean, those events back in the day just sell out. If you didn't get to the tickets on time, the minute those tickets hit the freaking box office you didn't call in time the calls would be the lines would be busy lines at the box office you couldn't get around because wrestling was a thing Shawn Michaels was a part of three different eras if you think on it the rock and roll wrestling connection kind of sort of you know like from 19 I mean, that's one era. Then the new generation era was was a brief 93 to 96, 97. Sean was a part of that era. Kind of a part of the Attitude Era until he hurt his back and he got hurt and then had all these revelations and found his face. But you want to know why I fell in love with professional wrestling? It's because when someone tells... Another person, you can't do it. You're not going to win this match. There's no way in hell he's going to win because of his size. You know what I have to say to you all? Screw you. Always a chance. There's never a no doubt or unless <laughs> some, a guy that we don't know is just going in there to get squashed. That's a different scenario. 
you want to get to know good old Brian Reynolds, Shawn Michaels is one of my influences, The Undertaker, hell, Harlem Heat, Booker T, and Stevie Ray. Who else? Uh, let's see here. Well, obviously, The Undertaker, I mentioned him earlier. Uh, the Nasty Boys, Legion of Doom. Female-wise, it was okay. Uh, okay. Lita over Trish. Any time of the day. Trish Stratus was great, but she wasn't my cup of tea. I know there's something about and watching them and Trish did a wonderful job of that, but Lita when they had the main event, first ever time that women had main evented a live WWE show on Raw. I just was gravitating more towards Lita because she was a free you know, she was a free spirit and she threw caution to the wind with that moonsault to the outside. So I liked Lita as a female influence. I also like Ivory. I always thought she did a great job too. And uh, I had the pleasure of meeting her at Access, and she was real sweet. So I like somebody, but as far as female influences go, that's probably with the female influences. Lita, Ivory, uh, oh, of course, new current wrestler Nikki Cross or Nikki Ash. Uh, Rhea Ripley, like her as well. Raquel Gonzalez, not so much. Um, Jesse Havoc. Uh, referees. You know, I never really was a fan of referees. Let's see here. Uh, I'm not all hyped about Aubrey Edwards. I do recall Earl Hebner being a part of a lot of matches. Wink, wink. Uh, Mike Kyoto. So that does it for listening. I love you, dear. There's a shit. Bobby the Brain Heenan and Jim Cornette are tied at number one for me. Paul Heyman is not some – I don't know if you would much, as much call him as a manager agent type thing, but he's close enough. Uh, I don't really – okay, Captain Lou Albano. Okay, um, China was not a manager because she soon become a wrestler. I don't really attribute that. If you have any questions, you can message me directly. Wrestle Radio Network forward slash Facebook.com and at underscore Brian Rails on Twitter. If you have any more burning questions on NFL Sunday, please let me know. I am watching the game, my friends, and I'm getting slightly distracted. But moving on, let's see. You want to get to know the staff. Okay, I'm here. May 25th, 1987 is my birthday. was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Live near the B and the Q line, for those of you who know train lines, right? King's Highway. Ah, <clears throat> oh, come on, there's a phone call blocking my thing. But I'll do my best to uh, distract it. Six three one zero four six seven zero. 
I'm so glad that you guys decided to call here. Hang on, let me help that. Let me help that, folks. We're going to pause station identification right here on Wrestle. Oh, my goodness. Messages, phone calls. We're going to pause 10 seconds for station identification right here on Wrestle Radio Network. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get more phone calls. <laughs> we are trying this new method we call microphone. <laughs> and to answer your question, yes, I am sober. If we're continuing influences in professional wrestling, or actually about myself, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, grew up uh, playing sports. I eventually in middle school came out as gay. Um, What else? I like Marvel, kind of not, actually I'm not a fan of DC. I can draw some of the characters. I've read most, uh, actually some of the comics, not all. Uh, I love walks the beach said any random person alright that does it for me let's try off the rails uncensored Sunday edition, and uh, I do have subject matter. Okay. The current state of professional wrestling. No, I've been down that road before. We're going to try something a little different, shall we? Shall we? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? The following content contains expletives and language that is not suitable for minors under the age of 18. So, the focus on this section is about Miss Tessa Blanchard, who has caught the attention of a lot of journalists, such as, well, not just me, 
everyone and their brother's mother and started talking about Tessa Blanchard. And if I pull up this article about Tessa Blanchard, it's not going to be too flattering about her. Okay. Okay. Brace ourselves is right. So what's been going on lately is that that has occurred. She tweeted out there needs to be direct backing from other women. Hey, you know, if you tweet something positive or if you be positive, she said on her tweet. Then other women might try the same thing. This is according to Forbes.com. Industry of intergender women's wrestling. Tessa Blanchard. Oh wait, okay. Uh, this is probably from. No, that's January 11, 2020. She was cited spitting on a black wrestler, and then she said the N-word. And there are other women that have come forward about her. Let's see, Chelsea Green, uh, the NWA world champion Allison Kay, Priscilla Kelly, May Young Classic competitor Renee Michelle, AEW Shayna, and former Impact Wrestling star Tanea Brooks. Twitter as Blanchard is getting heat from all sides. So the all-star when Blanchard sent out a tweet encouraging women to support one another. While a positive message that anybody could get behind, it admittedly took somewhat condescending tone. Okay, so it says, hey women, try supporting one another. Cool things happen. My head is swirling with questions as to why someone who has no doubt. I mean, she's got in-ring skills. She's a third-generation wrestler. Her father is totally, um, well, not biggest influence. Let's say he's an influence, if you will. And he worked alongside Ric Flair, Magnum TA. The names go on. But your daughter had to say something that caught the ire of the female community, of the wrestling community, of everybody. Because this is what it says. What followed is a violent sea of backlash and accusatory tweets from some of pro wrestling's more prominent women voices. Green accused Blanchard of bullying and belittling countless female workers, while Kay leveled a far more space in pan and called her the N-word. Maybe not wrestler, but let me correct myself. The latter accusation was echoed by Green. NWA's Black Rose Brooks and AEW Shayna, who claimed Blanchard did more nasty stuff in Japan. Just hours before Blanchard looked to culminate her journey to becoming the first woman to win the Impact World Championship, she suddenly finds herself underneath a dark cloud of controversy. I don't even think she should be anywhere near that title picture. Championships, no. But when you do something that's rhetorical, that gets you in hot water, that to me screams you shouldn't be anywhere you shouldn't be anywhere near a title picture because you like to cause shit. 
drama in any workplace, including professional wrestling, if you are a cancer in the back, if you are cancer at a thrift store or wherever you are and people know who you are and what you're about and what today i'm not saying that i am perfect or my co-host is perfect or any of the other journalists that are perfect but we've come across this shit and we have legit a legitimate gripe and then it says tessa blanchard has denied these accusations which come with very curious timing with knowledge of this alleged ugly incident were radio silent until they found a golden opportunity to pounce on a polarizing figure the night before the biggest match of her career. Wrestling has been reached for comma. Yeah, Impact Wrestling has been reached for comma, but has not responded as of this writing. Chelsea Green wrote, you consistently put down, bullied, and belittled countless female coworkers, including me. Is that support? Yikes. If it's coming from one end of one person who just basically stated what exit out of her tweet here. Then Allison Kay said, Remember when you spat in a black woman's face and called her the N-word in Japan? Was that you quote unquote supporting women? The audacity of this tweet. More than one person, folks. Allison Kay. You know, she's a big name, it's not something to sneeze on, okay? Then Gigi Dolan, remember publicly putting me down on Twitter last year for something that didn't involve you whatsoever, then continuing to drag my name to other people for it? Delete this tweet. This shit's getting real ugly. I mean, oh, this is hilarious. Tessa's responses to this was, I've never been anything but kind to you. I've dealt with mean girls since I started. Not saying I'm a saint. Hell, I've had my ups and downs. I've made shitty or silly decisions, such as life. You have zero merit in your comments. Instead, putting me down for a little clout. You've got my number. Not Reba. I like to think people change over time, but I can confirm the bad behavior and non-supportive attitude in Japan. I was there. If more than one person speaking volumes about your ass, then there's fucking problems. And it's <laughs> Shayna. She did more nasty stuff in Japan. Never forget, practice what you preach, sweetheart. I stand by at Labusadore uh, PR. She's a fun-loving person who would never disrespect anyone. Much love to you, Rosa. And then Allison K. The reason I never said anything until now is because I had her back, and today was the day she gave me permission. You can't force someone to come forward, but you can be there for them. That is supporting women. Amen, sister. Renee Michelle. The day I got the call from my girlfriend, La Rosa Negra, of the incident, she made me promise to keep my mouth shut because she was afraid of being blocked or blackballed by her. As promised, I did, so I helped her get into Marvelous, which is another Japanese promotion. Do we find Tessa Blanchard guilty of being racist and also having no sentiment whatsoever to say, I'm sorry? 
I fucked up. Are we all perfect as an individual? No. I mean, I, others, billions of humans do this thing called fess up, man up, or woman up, and admit what your mistakes are and fucking correct. I've, you know, been picked on before, so it all became about you. I mean, you basically tweeted something after the fact that you spit in somebody's face, which ultimately, you know, this could definitely kill your career unless you come forward and basically say, guys, I'm a piece of shit. I'm, you know, going to seek help or it will take time, but I will apologize This works, but a part of me is starting to wonder whether or not somebody had influenced her to be the way she is. Was it upbringing? Was it something that happened to her? We don't know. We don't know Tessa's story either. So some may say, well, you can't judge her either. Look here. I'm not judging. I'm just venting because this shit irks me. If you treat somebody like absolute crap, you know, through job, through school, through anything, when you cheat or you lie or you belittle someone, karma's going to get your ass. And unfortunately for her, she did something fucking stupid. Just tweeting something as though you, we, we should support each other after the fact that she spit directly in someone's face in Japan. She goes, I don't recall doing it. Why? I mean, if multiple names have come forward and said something about you doing said incident, then it's either fess up or shut the fuck up. Why would you ever go to social media? It's a lovely day to be, you know, playing Mrs. Rogers. Or Mrs. Brady from the Brady Bunch, who's a fictitious character. But the stupidity lies within the fact that you know what you did. You still did it anyways. And I don't quite understand why you wouldn't just stay quiet, not say a fucking word. But you ended up making a fool of yourself. Show Izzy. Went to go train with her. She probably was aware of the controversy, but at the same fucking time, I don't know why you would go to someone that's already been pegged as a bad guy. I love you, Izzy, and I think you're a great person. I'm just questioning why wouldn't you have gone to a school that you know has a good reputation throughout the wrestling community. Tessa Blanchard is not a bad wrestler was very piss poor at a time in which this country is undergoing a lot of grieving. Let's see, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Rashard Brooks, anybody. And for her to do what she did is a poor reflection on it just makes I can't even complete my own sentence. It's really bad. It's really messed up. And it angered 
This kind of controversy would not create cash for Impact Wrestling because she was to go compete for that Impact Wrestling title. But now, what's the what's the compensation of penalties against her? What's to say she does get that title shot, which I don't think will happen. But we're just – I don't know. And it, it just really bugs the ever-living crap out of me that someone could be that stupid and then straight up act like nothing ever happened and not even wanting to make the situation better. And apologies may have been a good first step or actually not chit-chatting with these women, maybe Zoom calling or phone calling or just in person being like, hey, I am sorry. For what I had said or did, I know it's going to take time, but no one's no one's perfect, dude. No one is perfect. But what she's done, in light of what's gone on in this country, in light of what's gone on so far, just makes you to allow her to be the way she is around certain people around certain ethnicities it's like wow did you get were you like this in high school were you like this in grade school there was there's just a lot of questions that rise up because it's like she comes from a prominent family whose name is not unknown in the world of pro wrestling so condolences to your current career because until things get fixed Miss Blanchard, um, I really honestly don't know what's going to be your future, and I don't really care because people like you make my head hurt during the day, the night, whenever. And if you uh, really pay attention, they say, and they will rip you a new asshole. Okay, they as in people in your line of work, people outside your line of work that don't even know the situation are going to get up in arms about this, and they don't even know who you are. Yes, it's judgmental type shit, but it is what it is, folks. This is Brian Rails from Wrestle Radio Network trying out this new Fonsi Dundi microphone. And we're going to end this episode by saying happy NFL's first day. Uh, go whomever. To say or had to say, then I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. Toodles, bitches. It's NFL Sunday. The coast of personality The coast of personality The coast of personality